CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, February 20th starts now. Today on the show, Ben is talking news, media, politics, and law. And who better to join him for this discussion than Illinois State's attorney, Kim Fox. The Ben Jarofsky Show, a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. You want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink. You want to get some of the best podcasts in Chicago. You want to check out the sit down with Shawnee Dez. You want to get bonus interviews from Ben Jarofsky and great guests from all around the city and all around the country. You just need to head to ChicagoReader.com. I guarantee you, you will find a lot of great content you're going to enjoy. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky content, head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this I'm Burnt Out Tuesday. And here's why. I got State's Attorney Kimberly Fox standing by. We're going to bring her on to talk. Fonnie Willis. I've been really looking forward to having this conversation. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with anybody. I was like, if there's anybody that I would love to hear from on this issue, it's Kim Fox. Because I bet you she has some ideas about this. So a shout out, Alex Sims, for making this happen. You know I love you. Uh, but this burnout thing, I, I just got to get this off my mind before I bring Kim on. It's in from the New York Times. I've, I've addressed this issue in the past. And I'm just going to briefly address it now. But they sent out some uh, reporter to go interview Democrats. And each one is crying about how tired they are. (laughs) I'm tired. It's not like 2020. I was fired up at 2020. How come it? Let me just put this to you, ladies and gentlemen. How come it's always the anti-Trump Democrats who are tired? I've never seen a MAGA person tired in my whole life. Like the Energizer Bunners. They never get tired. But Democrats are like, I'm exhausted. (laughs) <laughs> come on democrats wake up drink some coffee stop being so tired all the time all right all right without further ado i'm bringing on kim fox kim welcome back to my humble podcast thank you glad to be back and the last time you were on i don't know if you remember you were very much a candidate for state's attorney uh and you said a naughty word uh yeah you got a good soundbite on that one yes Yes, I, I didn't even put the sound for the record. I did not put the sound by your opponent in that Democratic primary trying to make hay out of it. He goes, I am yeah. outraged. Yeah, well, it's nice to not be running again. And so you can get whatever sound bites and whatever naughty words I choose to use today. Let it rip, Kim. Let it rip. <laughs> uh, you're, you're walking out the door. You can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, Bonnie uh, Willis. Wow. Let me try to uh, set it up, and then we'll have a conversation about this. All right, so just some background for listeners. I know you know all this stuff, Kim, because you follow this stuff. Uh, You probably even know Fonnie Willis. I've never met her. Just seen her on TV. We'll get into that. So she is 
sort of the equivalent of Kim Fox for Atlanta. She's a Fulton County District Attorney. I believe that's what they call them in, in uh, Georgia, as opposed to a state's attorney here. She's chief prosecutor. Uh, gutsy woman. This is me speaking, not Kim. Uh, a Democrat was elected in 2020. Uh, and right <laughs> in the same election in which Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in Georgia. Okay. Now, uh, unlike uh, Donald Trump, her opponent didn't try to cheat the election and have uh, uh, Fonnie Wells kicked off. And as we all know, Donald Trump got on the phone with the Secretary of State in Georgia and said, get rid of whatever the votes you need to get rid of in order for me to contest this election. He said it. It's on the... You, it's not disputing evidence. He said it. We've seen it. The Secretary of State, I believe it was Secretary of State, leaked that conversation. He taped it and leaked it. Uh, one thing led to another, and Fannie Willis uh, responded with an uh, indictment against Trump. It's a serious indictment, ladies and gentlemen, because it's a state indictment and criminal cases and criminal charges. Kim Fox can get into this if she wants. This is not federal. He can't, if he wins, pardon himself. He could be facing time uh, in a Georgia penitentiary, ladies and gentlemen. So this is serious for Donald John Trump. Uh, and uh, so how is he going to try to derail this? And sure enough, <laughs> right on time, out of nowhere, well, out of some divorce proceedings of uh, Nathan Wayman's wife. That's where they got the, the, the dirt. Um, they came with a counterattack by one of Trump's uh, co-defendants, uh, uh, alleging improprieties by uh, Fonnie Willis and uh, Nathan Wade, who is a lawyer she hired to help with the prosecution and whose firm received, I believe, $650,000. Improprieties because they had a relationship. Now, I, for the life of me, do not understand, maybe Kim Fox can help me with this, why one prosecutor having a relationship with another prosecutor is itself a conflict of interest. I can understand if... Bonnie Willis was having a relationship with, let's say, Donald Trump's defense lawyer. Okay, that may be a conflict of interest, but it's like an office romance of sorts. So I don't understand why this is anybody's business. One, two, is being getting the, the credibility, Kim Fox, that it's getting. Uh, and then it all culminated last week or for the moment culminated with a hearing what they call it, evidentiary hearing. Maybe you can explain to my listeners what that means. Uh, in Georgia, before the, the Judge McPhee, who's the presiding judge uh, on the Trump indictment case, uh, in which she testified, Fannie Willis, about a relationship with Wade. Wade testified. And the judge has not rendered a decision on whether she will be disqualified or not. That's probably coming in a week or so. All right, so that's the summation of everything that's gone down pretty much my best. If, is there anything I've, I left out him that you think should be added before we continue our discussion? I think it, it. the context also is that the trials have already started. Trump has not yet gone to trial, but there have been a number of people who've already pled guilty um, in these proceedings. And so it's not like nothing has happened. There are people who have already pled guilty um, and are awaiting sentencing in the middle of all of this. Okay. Yeah, that is true. Left that out. Uh, all right. Uh, so... Let's just start with your general thoughts as a prosecutor and as a black woman uh, when you saw this counterattack against Fonnie Willis. Go ahead. Um, I My initial thought was, and I, I heard about it several weeks ago, was what's the angle? Um, you're right. Her having a relationship with uh, a colleague in and of itself is not uh, a, an 
an ethical violation or it's not a conflict of interest. Does it look good? I mean, I guess not. Um, but usually prosecutors don't have their personal lives, you know, shared for for the public. Um, but the issue was, and that they're trying to establish with this hearing, the evidentiary hearing, is did she financially benefit as a result of that relationship? You know, did he spend the money that Georgia taxpayers um, have provided for this prosecution on gifts and trips um, for fine? That's the question. Because then it is a, then you can try to make the connection that there's a conflict of interest, that she has hired someone that they are alleging is not capable and competent to do this prosecution. She only hired him because they have this romantic relationship. And as a result of that romantic relationship, she is getting a financial benefit from it. That is the tenuous, tenuous argument that they are trying to make. Man, I- that, that, that's like searching for an excuse, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, was there any part of? All right, so you're not a podcaster who uh, weighs in in the uh, in the news. You're a prosecutor, so you live in a different world than I do. So I acknowledge that. As a podcaster, I'm like that's the biggest BS I've ever heard. Uh, and 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 as a prosecutor, what was your reaction? I mean, as a prosecutor, that was my initial thought: is what is the angle? What's the legal? what is the legal basis for them believing that this should derail the prosecution, right? Like just, what are we trying to prove here? What, what, what's the facts, evidence, and law that we're trying to establish that she violated? What did she violate? That's my first question. And he, as a prosecutor, your job is what law was broken here? Um, and it was hard to see what law was broken. Again, in the early days, we had not had the divorce filings unsealed. You had just unnamed, salacious allegations of a relationship. Were they living together? They were taking these trips. Was he being paid an amount of money that was somehow not commiserate with his experience? And could you make an argument there? I mean, it was a bunch of smoke. It was all smoke, which I think the evidentiary hearing is supposed to get us to the fire. Right. So that tenuous legal argument, did she financially benefit from her romantic relationship with Nathan Wade such that she should be disqualified from the case? And from what I've seen, no. Did you follow the testimony? I presume you did like I did. Did you follow the testimony that she gave and Nathan Wade gave in uh, what was it, Thursday? I think it was Thursday or Friday last week. Yeah. Yeah. I came I came to it late um, because I have a job that <laughs> requires me. I mean, this is your job. You're a podcast. You got you got time. Um, but I, you know, I, I got to it late because, to your point, um, I do know Fani Willis. Uh, she is one of a handful of Black women who do this work across the country. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of conversation in a lot of circles about what was happening. And I wanted to, I wanted to watch as someone who has been under intense public scrutiny, um, about, you know, the work that they do and how sometimes it can be unfair. I wanted to be supportive, um, and watch. All right. So, uh, based on what you've read and seen, do you think, uh, that Trump's attorneys, have successfully uh, uh, presented enough evidence uh, to have her removed from the case? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, the basic 
legal principle is this. Is there a conflict of interest? Is what she has done such, to your point earlier, if she were in fact dating one of the Trump lawyers or one of the lawyers for any of the defendants, then the question could be asked of, are you throwing the case because of your relationship with the defendant? That is that is the clearest and most concise way of saying what a conflict looks like. There is no conflict here because her relationship has nothing to do with the prosecution of the case. Is he a lawyer? Is he able to you know, go into court and, and present his case? That's part of the reason I wanted to clarify in the beginning where you said, is there anything I missed? Clearly, he's efficient enough and effective enough to have procured convictions already. So when they're like, oh, he's not competent enough to do this work, clearly he was because he's gotten conviction. Uh, yeah. Clearly he was. And so what is the argument that that she has an incompetent lawyer? Well, that's knocked out because he's gotten convictions in this very case. What is the argument that he took her on vacations with money that he made? Okay. So she says, you know, I'm paying all these other lawyers too. He's been on it from the beginning. He paid for vacations because we were together. I paid him back. Okay. Um, you know, this notion of, well, I don't believe that she paid him back in cash. Well, she says she paid him back in cash. Short of anything to dispute that, it is what it is. There's nothing that they have presented. Nothing. She brought on a former uh, governor who she asked to be, or they put on a former governor who she asked to be a special prosecutor on this case, um, who said, you know, no, I didn't want it. So it wasn't that she had a talent pool that she said, absolutely not. I want it to be my lover. She was able to establish that she went and looked for people who she trusted, who had the legal acumen to try this case. Mm -hmm. She was rejected in some circumstances and she found a lawyer that she believed could do it. And in fact, he did do it. Yeah, by the way, I am a, an obs- I, don't, I don't know if I ever told you this. I don't know why I would have reason to have told you this, but I'm an obsessive reader and follower of courtroom dramas. Mm. I watch the shows, I read the books, John Grisham, et cetera, and so forth. And like, this is a, I cannot tell you, Kim, how often this is yeah. a subplot within a book, okay? Or a mo- like LA Lawyer, I mean, uh, Lincoln Lawyer. Have you ever seen the Lincoln yeah. Lawyer? Okay, read the books. Mickey Holler's ex wife. Mickey Heller's a defense attorney who's despised by the police and the uh, prosecutors. His ex-wife in this world is herself a prosecutor. Okay, they every now and then they have another affair. You know, this America accepts this. Yes. The America figures this one out, Kim. This is political. This is, I mean, so you've gotten it right. There, there is, there is no legal basis to do what they are doing. What they are trying to do is discredit Fani. And, and, and that that's what this is. It is an effort to discredit her as a prosecutor. We have spent more time in the last five weeks talking about Fani Willis's judgment um, for the choices that she's made in her romantic life, not her ability to prosecute. Again, she's secured convictions. We have been spending more time talking about everything but the facts of the underlying case of, you know, trying to steal the election. This is not, this is not a legal issue. This is political and it is being done in a courtroom. It's political theater that has an air of legitimacy because there's a man in a robe ruling on objections, but this is political theater. 
it is political theaters. And I think they want to humiliate her. And I, I think yes. they want to embarrass her. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, if, if Wade gets thrown into the mix, so be it. But they're really going after her. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Absolutely. Listen, I, you know, that's, I've given you my prosecutorial bend and I will give you my black woman bend. Um, I think, you know, you've got Letitia James, you've got Fonnie Willis, you've got these black women who are handling these cases. I have seen the rhetoric that has been used around them, you know, Trump calling them racist, you know, they're, they're, they're racist, um, sexualizing them. Um, and then you have ripe for you, is a, a relationship. And as someone, again, who has gotten high profile attention, have had done, you know, had a case where people felt very strongly about, and also saw people try to sexualize me, um, use racist tropes with me, um, this isn't unfamiliar. And I think what you saw with Fani the other day where some people were saying that she was combative and like, was that really the way to engage? She's pissed off. She's pissed off because can you imagine for a moment having to have your father fly in to take an oath to talk about your lover? And it's completely unrelated to the case. It is meant to publicly humiliate. It is meant to send a message that you are not valuable, that you are not, you are, you are subhuman in this. We're going to talk about who you sleep with. Well, I, I think there's another message too, that they're sending, uh, by the way, I, I, I got to get in the fight. I thought she killed it. This is me speaking, not you. I thought she freaking killed it. I loved it when the old man came in. Daddy came in and said, it's a black thing. I taught my daughter how to keep, and it just brought back memories. Like me, I raised girls. So like the yep. things, I'm obviously not a, a black daddy, but the things a father teaches his daughters to prepare them for the world. It's like when that father was on there, go, oh yeah. I never said anything about money. Although I did say, I said, when you go on a date, you make sure you got your mad money. Because that mm -hmm. schmuck will leave you, mm -hmm. and he'll go off with his friends, and you're going to, well, they all end up calling me and crying at 2 in the morning anyway, Kim, but you're going to need, like, maybe cab fare to come home. So, like, that resonated with me. And then when yeah. you teach a girl, just a whole, go play basketball against a boy. Don't back down. Don't just pass him the ball because he asked for the ball. You, you, you're, you're the point guard. You get what I'm saying? And I, that, when that dad said that, I was like, oh, yeah, bring him back. This yeah. is a dad looking out for his daughter. Do you follow what I'm saying, Kim? That's right. That's right. And I, I, I thought, I listen, I will, full disclaimer, you know, I do know Fonnie Willis. I have reached out to her um, in the last couple of weeks to offer, you know, emotional support uh, from one prosecutor, one Black woman to another. So I want to, in, in, in full disclaimer, but also just as someone, you know, who got caught up for saying something was bullshit four years ago, uh, we are often relegated to, you know, respectability, right? You know, there have been times where things have happened where I've had to keep a stiff upper lip, that I've had to operate in a level of decorum because I don't want to distract from the things that I'm trying to do. But this was the testimony of a woman who was being humiliated. And what I appreciated was that no, that that sometimes it's gonna sound it's gonna be messy. You're gonna catch this smoke. You 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 have filings and documents. You've you've gone to my former lover's ex-wife, 
divorce papers to do a salacious story about me. And I'm a highly trained, highly educated professional. And you are trying to denigrate me in this way. She came with all the smoke that they deserved. They deserved every ounce of smoke that she gave them. Well, I, uh, to that point that I forgot before I went on my tangent about daddy's vice to daughters, which get, led you to that tangent. Um, I believe there, this, listen, Trump, Trump does not mess around. And Trump and MAGA doesn't mess around. So there are physical threats. There are racist taunts. There's uh, vicious emails. There's doxing. Uh, there's threats to family and friends. Barnes, the governor, the former governor that you alluded to, has said that he didn't wouldn't be the prosecutor in this case because he didn't want to live his life under police protection for the next uh, six years. There was just a great comment, urge everybody to read it in the New York Times by David French, who's a conservative writer but has taken a strong stand against MAGA about how his family has been uh, the victim of threats, violent threats down in Tennessee where they live because he has taken a stand against MAGA. So in addition to the physical threats and the racial taunts, Kim, MAGA has this other thing they do. They get nasty. And they did it. It's not just black women. They did it against um, the judge in New York. They yep. did it against the judge's clerk in New York. Okay. They will do it. Uh, they did it Alvin against Bragg, the, the DA yeah. in Manhattan. Yeah. Who is also a friend of mine who I also talked to about his safety and his protection. Tish James, a friend of mine who I also talked to about her safety and protection. This is what they do. This is what they do. And they did it to the special prosecutor, Smith. Uh, yes. who, yes, uh, Smith. So this is, uh, and I liked how she stood up to them. And she just said point blank. She looked them in the eye and she goes, you're the one who's tried to uh, overturn the election. That's right. That's right. No, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was fitting for the moment. I thought it was absolutely fitting for the moment. And I do think that as I listen to pundits talk about, you know, is this going to derail the case? Now, just as I said that legally, I don't think that this is holds any water, that it is political theater. I also worry though, because of everything that you just talked about, does this judge want to then be the one who says, you know, does the right thing? I've seen people not do the right thing for the very fear that you just talked about. They know who that judge is. Um, you know, he gets to be neutral arbiter right now, but should he rule against Trump? Should he rule against this motion um, and allows for her to keep the case? Is he worried about what that then does to him? And does he have the, you know, the fortitude to continue to do the right thing because the evidence suggests that he should? That's what's concerning to me is that, yes, this has no no standing. Yes, it's political theater. But for all of that MAGA energy and what folks have seen, is this judge going to do the right thing? Yeah, no, that's a very real point. And I've, I've said this many times in the show. We've also discussed at a lot at length, uh, Kim, the um, the Colorado case where they're trying to bounce uh, Trump off the ballot for violating uh, a very clear uh, language in the 14th Amendment that says an insurrectionist uh, cannot run for president. Well, or, excuse me, officer. Right, here we go with my MAGA friends. We come in office and they're law all lawyers. Uh, but um and I, I absolutely believe, this is me speaking again, not Kim Fox, I absolutely believe that the, the Supremes will rule 
against Colorado on that issue. And part of the reason they were ruled against them is, well, in the case of Clarence Thomas, are just true believers. They don't think it was an insurrection. And by the way, how is, how, help me out. Kim Talk Fox. about a conflict. <laughs> Talk about an actual effing conflict. Yeah. An actual conflict. But I digress. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, that is a conflict, okay? Clarence Thomas's wife was, like, exchanging text message with Mark Meadows on the day of the insurrection, and he does not recuse himself. But this is a conflict of office romance that you probably saw in the Lincoln Lawyer or L.A. Law. Give me a break. Uh, but I think they're intimidated, and I think they're afraid, the Supremes, and they don't want MAGA mad at them, and they don't want Trump mad at them. And, you know, they'll f- cook up some, you know, the, put the clerks to work and come up with some excuse uh, to let him off the hook. Uh, so, yes, I do believe intimidation is a factor. Wow. I hate to think it'd be a factor here in Georgia. I mean, they, the evidence is overwhelming. Go ahead. Why wouldn't it be? You've got national attention. That, that hearing, I mean, again, just for a moment, trying to imagine having to testify in a courtroom one about your love life, but live stream on CNN and MSNBC in real time for the nation, for the nation. I can't fathom it, but the nation is watching this case and this judge knows this. This is a case that has garnered national attention. Um, And, you know, there's the right thing. And then there's the politically expedient thing. And I certainly would hope that he does the right thing. Uh, if he does what I think you think is the wrong thing uh, and uh, uh, and uh, rules that there is a conflict of interest and that in his uh, opinion, uh, uh, Bonnie Willis can no longer continue uh, as prosecutor here. What impact will that have on the case against uh, Trump and his co-defendants? Huge, huge. So for those who've already been convicted, you know, there's their appeal right there that, you know, despite, you know, admitting that they had done what they had done, um, you know, the tearful apologies in court, like I would not have done that. But for this set of circumstances, I want to vacate those convictions. So I think that's one that you've now created, you know, a basis for appeals for those people who've already been found guilty. For the people who have yet to go to trial, you now will then need to find, because it would not just be removing Fannie Willis herself, it's her office. So the Fulton County District Attorney's office would be divested of the case. So for people thinking, what does that look like? So if they said, I don't know, Kim Fox, we're taking this case from you, um, you could then say, well, maybe Bob Berlin, the state's attorney in DuPage County or some other state's attorney in the state, they would then ask, are you willing to take this case on? I can guarantee you with my entire um, like life savings, there's not going to be a prosecutor in Georgia who is willing to step up and take this case. And I know several prosecutors in Georgia, they have a number of Black women prosecutors in Georgia, um, the intimidating factor of this will make it have a chilling effect on anybody there who wants to do it. Now, the choice to do it, right, is up to the prosecutor. So if someone says, you know what, I don't want it, we don't have it, and you don't have a prosecutor to move forward on this, you don't have a case. You can't force someone to to do it. Mm-hmm. 
he chose by reviewing the evidence, by looking at the law, Fani, using her prosecutorial discretion, chose to file this case. Another prosecutor, if they gave it to them, could look at it and say, there's no here, here, and it's done. So the, the consequences are incredibly dire, that if Fani Willis isn't prosecuting this case, I think it is very doubtful that anybody in state court will prosecute this case. Wow. So in other words, and excuse my ignorance here, Kim, I can't think of any another example uh, in, in definitely in Chicago history, a case just drops because no one will prosecute. There's no one to prosecute it. Can you think of an example of that? I can't at this moment think of, I've heard of cases getting thrown out. You know, the evidence wasn't there. The uh, witness recanted uh, DNA evidence came in all these things. Okay. I've never heard of a case where they go, hey, you know, here, you know, sorry, we can't prosecute because we can't find anybody to prosecute. You yeah. can go now. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it, it's rare that you have a case where a judge would make a finding that your prosecutor's office can't do it. I happen to know one case. There's this one actor um, who was <laughs> prosecuted by this office. And then they decided that this office could no longer prosecute it. And in that instance, it was. They put out a call throughout the state of Illinois. Who wants to take this prosecution? No one in the state of Illinois wanted to take the prosecution, which is how then a special prosecutor was appointed. In Georgia, is it possible that they could say, all right, no other prosecutor's office wants it. We want to appoint a special prosecutor? Again, highly unlikely. You don't have to just because Fani brought these charges. There's no mandate that they have to go through. These are her charges. This was her evaluation. That case could get transferred to another DA who can look at that and say, it's not there. We're dismissing this. Yeah, by the way, I urge everybody to read Judge Lyle's uh, opinion on the case that Kim Fox just alluded to. I believe the actor's name is Smollett, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, we, and if you, if you want to hear uh, Kim Fox and me have a conversation about Justice Smollett, go back to that conversation we had a couple of years ago, which I think is pretty good. I think it stands the test of time. And that's the one where the dreaded S word was dropped. All right. Is there yes. any part? Yes. What, I think remember? the word was yes. It's bullshit is what I yeah. said. She's I will repeat it here. I mean, just to to keep us on form every four years, this, this, the allegations against Bonnie Willis are bullshit as well. Okay. Wow. Uh, say that one more time. No. The ally- <laughs> so we can say get the tape right when they play it. Yeah. She's running for office and she said. <laughs> no, it's bullshit. Come on, Conway. You know that 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 commercial was bullshit. Uh, anyway. Um, so he's not an alderman, ladies and gentlemen. You probably hear worse things every day in the city council. Alderman Conway. Uh, all right. So, Kim, I was watching. Uh, that was a Comedy Central do a take on uh, what's going down in Georgia. And I forget the dude's name, the comic. He's a funny guy. I just can't remember his name. I humbly apologize. Uh, said at the end of it, wasn't John Stewart. It was somebody else. At the end of his take, uh, what were you thinking? Uh, yeah. And so do you ever have any moments like that where you go, uh, oh my God, Fonny, I love you dearly and they shouldn't take this case away. But what were you thinking? You ever have that moment? Yeah, look, I, I, I have sympathy um, for the fact that you know, the questions of her judgment um, are, are are being made because, you know, dating someone on this, the most 
high profile case that you will ever have in your career that you don't want any questions, concerns, distractions, any of that, right? Um, and so I certainly don't disagree that she didn't invite the question around her judgment, not that there is a conflict, but her judgment related to, to her relationship. Because certainly there are lots of, you know, eligible folks that perhaps were available to her. However, I am also sensitive, and she mentioned this the other day, about the loneliness of these jobs. Um, to the the power that we have in these roles, how isolating they are, the fact that she's moving from place to place to place, her safety and her security are are challenged. You know, she can't even engage with her father, and so here is there someone who is who's with her, who's in this fight with her. It is not lost on me that this could have happened, um, and I would give her grace. And I think what is rarely afforded to Black women, and particularly Black women in leadership, is that grace. Is grace. She's prosecuting a man who said, and I'm not trying to, you know, be crass. This is what he said. I grab him by the pussy. This is a man who has multiple wives that he's accumulated while married to the previous wife. This is a man who just, you know, lost a big civil lawsuit because of things that he said about Eugene Carroll. Like the the standards seem awfully strange to me that a consensual romantic relationship with someone who is on your team is somehow more egregious than what Donald Trump himself has said or done. And so I, yes, I, I've had those moments where I wish that she did not find herself in this place but I also completely understand um, and give her grace. Yeah, I uh, and I'll add that uh, it was a jury a jury ruled that uh, Donald Trump committed sexual assault. Uh, let's not forget that against uh, Eugene Carroll. In addition to all the other things you're talking about, uh, and right now Donald Trump is about to go on trial in New York uh, for having uh, paid off uh, allegedly uh, paid off a um, porn star uh, to keep her quiet about the affair uh, that they had. Uh, you can hardly call it a fair. It was really what it was like. A, it wasn't even a one night stand. It was like a one minute stand. Uh, and um, uh, that they had when he was, uh, I think it was like year enough to run for president. I can't remember. I'm checking my time. So, yes, it goes on and on with Donald John Trump. Uh, when you read the press accounts and when you see and hear the TV and uh, accounts, uh, do you sense any like cold words that are being used to employed? to sort of uh, speak of, of Fannie Willis as a black woman? Do you sense that something subverse, something subterranean is going along with the analysis of her uh, and the role she played? I mean, not, I think, not in legitimate media. You know, when I look at MSNBC or I look at CNN talking about the case or, you know, even the, the major broadcast networks, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, there was an extended conversation online around, you know, Black people and the use of cash um, and that cultural competency aspect, right? Like I saw that conversation because you had, you know, one of the lawyers questioning, doubting, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Why would you have that much cash? And to the point you made earlier, I've had those conversations. I, 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 I grew up in a household where, you know, my grandmother didn't trust banks and she had money under her mattress, right? And so like those cultural competency pieces I've seen where 
as opposed to, again, in mainstream media, attacks on her as a as a black woman. But I, I, I think it's subterranean anyway, because I don't know that they often, you know, use a bullhorn when they're doing this, that, that, that the issues often seem like there is, you know, some air of neutrality to it. But when Black women are involved, and I'm just speaking as a Black woman, um, the standards are different. We just have we just have different standards. And then we will just pretend like this is the standard. She shouldn't have a romantic relationship with a man that she's working with. As a person who runs a very large law office, I can't tell you the number of times before I even ran it, the weddings that I've gone to from my colleagues who met at work. Yeah. I, I, I've gone to a number of those weddings. Um, that is, it is not a foreign concept. That is not a foreign concept. Yeah. They, they wanted it to be because he was married and going through a divorce that, you know, we want to make her a homewrecker. And so that, again, that subliminal kind of, you know, seductress, you know, this woman who is out there, you know, and, and her sexuality at play, you don't have to say it. The guy was separated. But everyone knows someone who's dated someone that they shouldn't have dated. Mm-hmm. Did she commit a crime? Did she say, Nathan, I'm going to pay you $280,000 an hour and you owe me for every hour, a hundred of those dollars. That's a crime. Mm-hmm. That is a crime. <laughs> yeah. That's not what they are alleging here. Yeah. And by the way, just the good fight. There's another team. Why you were doing that riff? I go, oh, the good fight. That's another team. I don't know if you ever saw the good fight. It's a pretty yeah. good show. That's a spinoff There's... of the good wife. Yes. Very good. I never saw the good wife, but I saw the good fight. Uh, and there, there's uh, all kinds of office romances. Uh, uh, and that popped into my mind. You don't but... even need a script. It, I'm just telling you, I know. <laughs> I know it a happened. number of my friends from this office who met here, who tried cases together here. Imagine a defense attorney in a case that we're prosecuting saying those two lawyers are sleeping together. They would be laughed out of a courtroom. They would be laughed out of a courtroom. The element is she pays him. I can also tell you once upon a time in this, the culture of this very patriarchal office, um, we had supervisors, male supervisors, dating interns. Horribly inappropriate. Yeah. Pre yeah. my administration. And we put policies in place. But once upon a time, there was a culture where that was okay. I'm not saying it's right. But when I see what they're saying about Fani, when, again, working in a law office, working in a prosecutor's office, where I've seen these types of relationships happen before, it would never warrant this. It warrants this because she is prosecuting Donald Trump, and they are going to do anything and everything within their power to derail this prosecution because this is a very solid case. Oh, it's solid. And we'll close by me repeating what I began with. He can't pardon himself, ladies and gentlemen, for this one. And he's facing jail time, penitentiary time in Georgia. And people flipped. I should just very, I know you're closing. Part of the people who've pled already, they were doing that and flipping on him. And so the case against him was even stronger last month than it was when she first brought it. Because in that instance, you you didn't have people willing to testify that he had them go do this on his behalf. Yeah. 
and now you do. All right. So uh, I believe, and I say this uh, as a lefty, but I believe that there is such a double standard when it comes to criminal justice, uh, when it's Donald Trump and the docket, as opposed to Donnie Trump from the West side or the South side. And uh, the extent to which they're accommodating this baseless accusation uh, is, is almost comical, in my humble opinion, these hearings, et cetera, and so forth. Which is uh, what concerns me. The uh, actual humoring of it is why I think that there is a possibility, even though it is meritless, that it could still prevail. Is there any part of you that says, well, uh, if the judge rules against uh, uh, the uh, the Trump uh, defendant, co-defendant and rules in favor of Fonnie Wills and, and allows it to continue, that this substantiates her case, that makes her stronger? Is there any Absolutely. part of you that sees a good side to this? Absolutely. I, I think we saw it the other day when she testified. Fonnie Willis is determined um, to to prosecute this case. Uh, and she's not doing it for personal gain. Um, she's doing it because she heard that very recording that you talked about at the top of this show. Um, and she doesn't believe that just because you're the president of the United States that you should not be held accountable for your crimes. I think having gone through this experience Absolutely. She is going to be dogged in her prosecution because of the efforts to derail it. All right, Birgit, I'm going to close with this, which I didn't tell I was going to do, but it just popped into my mind. I have to do it. Uh, I had on my show a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Dorothy Tucker from Channel 2, very powerful I, I, uh, series that she did about crime against black women in Chicago. And you very courageously, in my opinion, uh, went on the camera and talked about your own personal experience. One, thank you for doing that. Number one, shout out to Dorothy Tucker. That was a great piece. I urge absolutely everyone uh, in the world to watch it. It'll blow your mind in some ways. Maybe some of the people go, oh, Ben, no, I knew that was going on all the while. Uh, all right. Everybody's, you know, after the fact, there's yeah. always people who know everything. Okay. Uh, but the, her, she put it together. Dorothy Tucker put it together from Channel 2, a longtime veteran uh, reporter for Channel 2, proud graduate of Austin High School. She put it together. She documented how the vast majority of crimes in Cook County are against black women. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, uh, Kim, until she put it together. So shout out one more time, Dorothy Tucker. Why don't you just close with some, I know we weren't expected to do this, but oh well. Uh, so close with some thoughts about going before the camera and talking about those mm. very personal things that you did in front of Dorothy. Go ahead. Yeah, I had no plan. I don't know if she told you this. I had no plan of disclosing any of that. Um, I had not watched Dorothy's series. She reached out to me and asked me to comment as the state's attorney and sent me links to the series. And I'll be honest with you, because of my history, I did not want to watch it. And the morning of my team was telling me about it, you know, that Dorothy wanted wanted me to talk about a story that had significance to me of the one she reported on. And there was a guy on my team who was like, you should talk about this one. And no disrespect to him, um, lovely man. Uh, but I felt like, you you know what, I'm not going to let you tell me which of these stories are the ones. So I looked at the stories 10 minutes before she arrived. And I knew that I wasn't showing up as the state's attorney in that interview with Dorothy. Um, 
that the courage of the women who told their stories before me required me to have the same level of courage. And so my comms director was sitting on the couch um, watching the interview and her eyes bugged out. Um, I told Dorothy in the beginning, give me a box of tissues because this is going to be different than what you even expected. And so I think on behalf of myself, my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, the women who I knew, as I said, I, I don't know from my own personal circle of, of Black women, one who has not been a victim of crime. And two, just I know this is a long answer. Part of the thing that pisses me off when people say, oh, Kim Fox doesn't care about victims. As a victim and a survivor, and I know many victims and survivors, the definition of who gets to be a victim. And far too often, I think we've seen Black women um, reach these numbers where it's so pervasive that people don't even notice is because our humanity, our, our womanhood, our, our lived experience um, is not valued. And I will, I will tie that back to what got us here on this conversation today. Watching what is happening to Fonnie Willis, um, watching what happened to me, watching what's happened to Tish James, and kind of the almost casual acceptance of, well, they're in these big roles. They they are, that is what should happen. And I look at, you know, white women colleagues across the country, men, male colleagues across the country who don't get the same level of vitriol and attack and also don't have people coming to their defense. It mirrors this. And I think it goes to the not valuing the humanity of Black women. All right. That's a very sober point uh, to leave it, but we're out of time anyway. But uh, so maybe we'll have to have you come back. You'll be of our the Ben Jarosky show's commentator. Uh, that would be a gas on the ongoing prosecution. You're heading yeah. out the door. Why not? You could feel this is like auditioning for those media roles that you're going to get. Uh, big time media roles when you leave office. How about that, Kim Fox? I you will. I'd love to practice with you, Ben. Thank All you. right. We'll work. <laughs> We'll be practicing together and I'll teach you how to say something without swearing, which by the way, no, no, she's like, no. Brainy, baby. It's, it is. I will say that in the almost eight years I've been here, I have not lobbed off as many words as I could have. Um, so I'm very proud of myself. Very good. Restraint. I, 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 and by the way, I don't even practice when I, sometimes I get so mad. Like when I think about the bears getting rid of Justin Fields, I get so mad, which I realized in the, in the context of everything we're talking about, it's absolutely unimportant, but it really yeah. aggravates me. Uh, now you should hear me at like last night's bowling alley. I was dropping the F-bomb left and right. All right, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time. One more time, thank you, Alex. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. All right, that's Kim Fox. Also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, if you want to stay updated on what Ben Jarofsky's up to, head to chicagoreader.com. You can get bonus interviews. You can get columns. You can sign up for the Chicago Reader newsletter. Get stories sent straight to your email. It's great. I enjoy it. I love it. I know you will, too. If you want to follow Ben on Instagram, it's at Benny J Show. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.